You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Welcome to the latest edition of All's Caps with former Capitals defenseman Carl Osner. I'm AP hockey writer Steve Wino. Uh, today we will be joined by NHL.com's Mike Zeisberger, size up Capitals and Maple Leafs later in the week. He'll get his theories on Tom Wilson, uh, but Capitals have won four in a row now, Carl. Tom Wilson, one of the most dominant players in the NHL right now. Four goals in six games, career high in goals, career high in points, 50 points in a season. Your thoughts on Tom Wilson, the offensive maniac? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It's, uh, it's cool to see. He's got... He seems to be um, playing, you know, with just the right amount of edge to uh, to be effective physically. Um, at the same time, you know, putting his his natural skill that he has, um, you know, adding that in as well. So it's pretty great to see. He's been just a nose for the net. You see him standing in front of the net a bunch right now and, and using his size and all that. So it's it's um, I think he's playing kind of a, a perfectly balanced game, you know, with everything that he needs to do and, and uh, he's getting rewarded for it right now. And, and the team's heating up too. So it's, you know, if you have, if you have one of your best players like that being successful and doing all those little things, then, then the team seems to have success. So uh, that's, that's what I've seen. I've been actually watching, watching more of the games the last uh, week, week and a half than I have all season. So it's kind of been able, it's been nice to see uh, what he's been doing. Yeah, you picked the right time to start watching him. He's just a matchup nightmare out there. I'm like, with his size and, and, and the ability to, the, the, you mentioned, the nose for the net, he can create space for line mates. And, and, and if he's staying on the right side of that line, which he has for the last couple of years, he hasn't done anything that's been suspension-worthy all season, certainly. But it's it's impressed me to, to see what he's done offensively, but also kind of walking away from Trent Frederick tried to, like, almost goad him into an extra minor penalty the other night, and he wouldn't take that. It just, it, it looks like consciously... He's making decisions on the ice. It's like, I am needed more on the ice than I need to be to the enforcer in the penalty box role. And this team is so much better for that. We, exactly. I wonder, I'm curious if there was a conversation had, you know, with like the the staff and, and him just you know, reminding him how important he is to the team. Because that's like what we always say um, during games. It's like, oh, that's a... It's a bad trade-off, you know, or whatever. If you if you get thrown in the box for uh, for roughing with someone who plays ten minutes a night versus someone who plays twenty minutes a night, right? You're always looking for uh, to try and goat somebody into to get you know two in the box with you for a little bit extra. But he's, I mean, it's it's one of the things that's I don't know. Maybe it's easier said than done. But as a forward, you just go to the front of the net. You know, like stuff happens when you're there. I think another good example of that is is uh, Chris Kreider. You know, he's. Oh, yeah. He's he's a he's a great player and he can skate, but he goes to the front of the net and he tips pucks in all over the place. Um, you know, he, he's just he's getting backdoor tappings and you know, he creates space for himself because he's a big body. Um, you know, uh, Anders Lee, same thing. Those guys just stand in front of the net when you have a six foot four, two hundred and twenty pound frame. Like, why wouldn't you just go there and and sniff pucks out? So he's doing the right things, and that's uh, you know, it's the the dual threat 
top line, right? You need to have two lines that can produce. And if they can produce in different ways, then like you said, it is a matchup nightmare. I, I would hate playing against a line like that. The New York Islanders fourth line was was kind of like that, you know, Matt Martin running around, Cal Clutterbuck running around, and Sezik is kind of like bringing that whole thing together. It was it was that line starting every single game in the playoff series we had against them, and it was it was night it was a nightmare. Me and Carly would go out there every game, and I'd just be like, "Oh, I hope we win this face off," because I know otherwise <laughs> it's getting rammed down my throat and I'm getting crushed first ten seconds of the game. So, so yeah, you you need to find uh, where you can where you can kind of gang up on a team. And right now it's uh, it's whatever Tom Wilson can do. Before we bring in Mike Seisberger, what's, what have you noticed differently on this team? I know they had the players only meeting and I'm sure that has some factor, but from those two losses, Carolina and Minnesota to the way this team has played since then, what have you noticed different, better in, in this team? Well, I've seen jump. I mean, I, like, like I mentioned earlier, I haven't watched uh, every single game this year, but I, I was in Pittsburgh for, uh, for the game against the, the Penguins and they had jumped. They had opportunities. They were, they were solid in the offensive zone, just creating as, as much as possible. Um, and, and that was really nice to see because that's, um, you know, especially in the playoffs, that's, you got to invest, you got to shots from everywhere, you know, coming back over top, tracking back and making sure that you, you try and outman the, the other team on the back check. And, and that's what they seem to be doing. And so that's a, those are things that happen from closed door meetings, you know, players only meetings. You, you talk about some of those, some of those little details and then, and then guys just, uh, I guess they they take on that responsibility a little bit more. You know, they realize that everybody's got to do their job. Otherwise, we're not good. And, uh, and and they're doing that now from what I've seen. And like you've you've seen probably a better progression throughout the season than I have. But, uh, but at least the last couple of games, it seems like there's been a lot more um, energy, more creation in the offensive zone. Yeah, I mean, Pierre Laviolette, I remember a decade ago, said every meeting is a closed-door meeting because no one leaves the door open, and that was always kind of his, his joke. But, like, these meetings matter, right? Like, like among players, like, that, you could actually get some value out of players-only meetings, right? Oh, for sure. It's it's the timing of those meetings, you know? You don't want to have one after two bad games or three bad games, but you also don't want to wait too long to, you know, to have it after seven bad games, and then next thing you know, you're, you're out of the race or you're in trouble. So, yeah, it, timing had to be right, but I think for the most part, you know, everybody that, that watches hockey and saw some of the, some of the games, even though some of them were wins, uh, the hockey wasn't, it wasn't a satisfying win. Sure. Right. And that's, <laughs> that's when you need to, you know, leadership stepped in, or maybe the coaches relayed a message that look, this is what we're seeing on the video. And it doesn't look good <laughs> compared to what we are used to seeing, you know, let's, let's maybe think about it. And so, so yeah, th- those are all, they're, you know, a little bit awkward to be honest at times, those meetings, because, None of the guys are really great uh, public speakers. <laughs> you know, everyone kind of likes to likes to listen to the coaches talk and instead of having to talk. But but um, you know, once somebody kind of pipes up and 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 then it starts flowing, they, they turn into something special. And you hope that one guy can say something that triggers you know something for the rest of the team. And and a good time to to be playing good hockey for this team. Long road trip coming up at Toronto, at Montreal, at Colorado, at Vegas, at Arizona, before playing the Leafs back at home. Uh, And speaking of the Maple Leafs, next up on Allscast, we're joined by NHL.com's Mike Zeisberger. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, 
live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to All's Caps with former Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner. I'm AP Hockey writer Steve Wino. and pleased to be joined by a very good friend of mine, uh, NHL.com's Mike Zeisberger. Mike, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Like I said be in the preamble before the show, first-time caller, long-time listener. <laughs> well, we, we appreciate it, and, we, and, and appreciate you listening. And, and, and I, I owe Mike a lot for my career. He's always been supportive of, of the, every next job I've gotten. He was a big help on, on the book. So I owe Mike a lot, so I, I hope, Carl, you don't grill him too much on your super questions later i got well, some we all learn from our mistakes carl <laughs> <laughs> uh, no we can do it it's it's been my pleasure and he's done the same for me so mutual admiration society thank you steve it is um speaking of mutual admiration society carl and i were just glowing about tom wilson and and, and it reminds me of the tom wilson of all people overtime call from that leafs cap series a few oh, years ago yeah. and, and 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 i know you were there for, for that game and have seen tom wilson i'm curious your thoughts from kind of ten thousand feet obviously Tom Wilson's hometown in, in, in Toronto, of kind of how you've seen Tom Wilson evolve as a player over the past several years. Well, the, the interesting thing for me about Tom Wilson is that uh, obviously he's a polarizing player. You know, he's one of those guys like a Brad Marchand, and don't get me wrong with this, they don't play the same way. Right. But they like to play in that gray area. And their respective coaches, whether it's Cassidy in Boston, um, or obvi- obviously... Um, you know, Lavi in, in Washington, they know how effective their guys are when they play in those gray areas. You just don't want them slipping over it at the worst times. And, sure. and we've seen that from Tom in the past. But what we've also seen is that he can be one of the more effective players in the National Hockey League, and especially in the playoffs, where we all know, like, every inch of ice is harder to grab. There's there's less movement. It's more of a north-south game. And you remember when when the Capitals gave him that contract extension, there were a lot of people out there in the uh, social media world, oh, what are they doing? They're giving this guy all this cash. Uh, You know, he's not like the pure skill player. Maybe not, but this guy's got more skill than people give him credit for. He knows what his job is. And I, I really think that this is a case where there's 31 teams in the in the National Hockey League that bitch about Tom Wilson. And 31 teams that want Tom Wilson. So that there's that's the bottom line. And I really do think that, you know, once the playoffs come and he can toe the line, he can be one of the most effective players. And let's face it, I mean, people can, can bitch and whine about Tom Wilson all they want. But I've seen close up and personal, a guy like Nazem Kadri has been suspended three times in the last four playoffs uh, playoff years. And there, there you go again with, with guys that, can be irritating, can be effective, but you don't want to step over the line. And I think that uh, for the most part, Tom has understood that. Every now and then, there's a little slip up. <laughs> you know, it's a tough job because nobody wants to be known as, you know, that rat or yeah. that that guy. And so it's it's hard. Like, you know, 
pretty much anybody can go out there and, and, and poke guys and, you know, and, and try and run around and, and be annoying out there, but not everybody wants to, right. So you need a special, a special yep. person that can go out there and have, have a little bit of an attitude. And it's like, as the season goes on, it's like the meter is slowly filling up of hatred, right? It gets fuller and fuller and fuller until the playoff time comes. And then all you're hoping for as like a Tom or a Brad or a Kadri, it, it's, I need somebody to come after me because they it hate me them. so much. Yeah, yeah. That's all I want. We just want one power play. Cause that, that can, that can change things. So it's, it's a very hard role and to be able to, to tiptoe around just like some of those guys do. I mean, I could never do it as hard as I would want to annoy guys and stuff like that. I just, that's like, not your games. it's not for me. Yeah. I couldn't do it. So it's, it's pretty impressive. The guys that can. And the difference between Kadri and Marshawn on the one hand, what one of the differences and, and, and Tom Wilson on the other is just the physical size. Oh, and sure. he creates room for whatever line he's on, whether he's playing with, with Baxter or, or Ovechkin or whoever, whoever, you know, because uh, lines get shuffled all the time. I'm not a big believer in all this, uh, oh, this line is entrenched because all the great coaches, they'll pull the plugs on lines within 10 minutes of the game if the line's not going. But whoever Tom play, Wilson plays with um, in terms of the skilled players, he creates room for them. And let's face it, you go into the – if you're a defenseman, and Carl, you can speak to this, but if you're going into a corner with Tom Wilson, you're checking the rearview mirror big time because oh, yeah. you know what's coming in at you. Oh, yeah, and, and and a lot of times the guys, like, it's just not worth it getting hit. Let's, let's just let that person take the puck, you know. There's, there's some guys that know they don't want to get embarrassed by, by pulling up and letting them go in first, but – but for the most part, I mean, guys are just like, nah, that's you go ahead and I'll try and check you after. But you know what? And this is this may seem like a, a stupid thing, but it's the truth is that when there's somebody that's annoying out there on the ice, guys are looking for something to chirp them about, you know, and it will go like, uh, like, who are you, you know, or you're a plug, you're you're a fourth liner. Have you even played today? You're ugly. Like things like <laughs> those are things that guys would want to want to chirp you about. What, what do you chirp Tom about? He's on the first line. He's tough as nails. He's a good-looking guy. Went to the All-Star game. Like, the guy's... Yeah, and if they don't like it, they can kiss his ring. Yeah, the guy, <laughs> yeah, he's unchirpable. Like, it's he's it's he's just a special... He's a unicorn, and it's, right now, at least. So, it's... Uh, I don't know. He's, he's just in a, in a really good position. But I would like to say, speaking of unicorns, I think there's a bit of a unicorn on, on the Leafs as well, uh, which I'm really excited to see play in person and that's Matthews like he's just like this 50 goals in 50 games yep. right now that's insane like what are you what are you seeing out of this guy right now because every time I look at the score the score sheet he's he's there he is again it's it's just nuts well he's just to me he's completed his game from this standpoint like I, you know I, I've watched him obviously since he was a rookie you kind of raise the bar of expectations when you score four goals in your first National Hockey League mm-hmm. game. That kind of raises it like way up. Let's put a parameter on this when we when we when we start this. Um all this is great now and this is something that that Austin himself knows, okay? Mm-hmm. We are talking about a Toronto Maple Leafs franchise that has not the last time they won a playoff series there was no salary cap. And we were using the center ice red line for two line passes. Do you remember that, Carl? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was a Leafs fan growing up. so I, Well, that's I... how long it's been. Okay, <laughs> yeah. 2004, Battle of Ontario. So 
you know, as as great as these regular season accomplishments are, and they are, don't get me wrong. I mean, this guy just set a record for a franchise that's over 100 years old for most goals in a season. 50 goals in 50 games, okay? If I have enough beads left on my abacus and everybody can go to Wikipedia and find out what that means, um, <laughs> those of us old enough will know. But if I have enough beans over, beads over there, there's got to be, you know, 10 people in history, if if that, that have had 50 goals in 50 games. Now, granted, it wasn't from the start of the season, but still, we're, we're talking about a chunk in the same National Hockey League season. So that is impressive. But at the same time, I mean, this core has had a chance uh, over and over again to, you know, starting out with the Caps, um, then back-to-back game sevens against the Bruins, a deciding game five against Columbus, and a game seven against the Montreal Canadiens, and they've lost every time. And so it's fascinating, you know, like even talking to guys like Daryl Sittler and Doug Gilmore and some of the illustrious greats of Leafs of the Leafs from past years, and they all say, I mean, they are they they give all the credit in the world what Austin is doing, but and and look at. It was the same with Ovi's legacy, okay? They talked about a cup. These Leafs ha- are talking about just winning a playoff series, okay? <laughs> but you do create your legacy or add to your legacy in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And that's not, again, not to take away what he's doing now, but that's, it was it was the case at the beginning of the season and it's the case now, is that we're not talking about carrying a series, but... There have been enough two games set. There's been four deciding games, three game sevens and a game five. And no matter how many goals you get in the regular season, and you know this for a fact, Carl, it's when the season is on the line, you got to answer the big moments. And that is something, and again, not to take away from what he's done, but that is the way that this market is going to look at him. If, you know, if they're one and done again, the natives are going to be rough. <laughs> has, has he been, has he been bad in those games and those elimination games? I, I, I don't know uh, the details enough. Cause like I, they have, there's, there's other guys on that team too, that I, I yes. know have been not that great. Right. Yes. And we look back to the year that the caps won, like there was, there was Ovi and Kuzi who were lights out. Holtz mm-hmm. was lights out and not saying that they were, that they were bad in years before, but they were, they were at a whole nother level. Right. So, so what if McDavid is, is lights out, if dry not good and, and yes. Hyman's not good, you know, it doesn't matter. Right. So I, that, do you know, do you remember, like, was he, was he not there in those elimination games? It, it hasn't been that he, that he's been, uh, that he's been bad because he has not. Yeah. What he hasn't been is noticeable. Gotcha. And that's where, so the first year against Boston, and I got to get my years right now, I'm going to say 17? 2018. 2018. They were leading going into the third period of game seven. So they had a chance and they lost. Mm -hmm. Uh, The next year, they were up three to two in the series going home. So they could have, you know, ended the series there. And to a man, they say, you know, we blew a great chance because they lost in game seven. Um, game They lost game six at home and then game seven. Against Columbus, the whole team was flat. Mm-hmm. And against Montreal, the whole team was flat in game seven too, but they had a three to one lead. You know, Austin scored one goal against the Montreal Canadiens. 
he was coming off a wrist injury, which he ended up having surgery on. And, you know, when you shoot the way that he does, a wonky wrist is going to play have an effect on it. Yeah. Um, Marner scored zero goals. Mm-hmm. And, you, can't have that. you know, I, I scratched my head because all of a sudden Marner became a scapegoat in this town. And everything that was wrong with the Leafs never winning was Mitch Marner's fault, which I just have thought is a crock a crock i've written about it i've I've said it on social media i think this kid is a wonderful talented kid you got to take him for what he is he's not going to be tom wilson i don't think you want him to try to play like tom wilson and he's a kid from toronto who actually wants to play the leafs and look guys i mean judging by my hairline and the color of my uh whiskers here okay this is not my first rodeo there was a time where guys did not, local guys didn't want to play for the Leafs. They didn't want to be in the spotlight and, and things of that nature. Um, that has totally changed around, led by Mitch Marner, who has been a Leaf fan ever since he growed up, grew up, you know, since he was a kid, has always wanted to wear the blue and white. And yet the way that fans blame everything on him, I, I just thought that was a little head scratching. So I think both of these guys together, here, here's the here's the thing. When we look about look at it, Carl. When I, when I talk about this team not winning a playoff series and the core the core of it, we're we're talking Morgan Riley, Nylander, Matthews, Marner. So you've got your core guys have been together for that time and haven't been able to get over the hump. And and that's not not one of them is to blame. It's just that when the moment has been there, they haven't been able to grasp it. Yeah, and I and I wonder if it's going to be like uh, same thing with the with the caps. Like I I had always said this to all my friends, all my family. I'm like, if we get out of the second round, I will guarantee a Stanley Cup victory, 100. And then I was in, I think I was on vacation because we didn't make the playoffs in Montreal. When uh, when I was watching that game and and Kuzi scored that goal, I turned to turned to my wife right away. I said, they're winning. It's it's done. Like 100%. They played Tampa next. I would have bet I would have bet the house on it that they were going to be Tampa, and and then sure enough, they went and did it. It's so I'm wondering if maybe that's the thing with the Leafs. It's like yeah, it just clicks. You know, we're like holy smokes. We we've climbed the mountain now. We're we're going to do this. But I just want to say because I know we're probably going to have to move on to the next segment. But for anybody, what my one of my favorite things about Matthews now, and for anybody who listens to this podcast before the game, is I love his ability to win stick battles he mm-hmm. is so good at finding the puck in tight in battles it's i i like to think that that's what i was pretty good at playing and yep. he would always he would always get it and i'm like how the heck is this guy just always that just a step ahead of me and with way with way better hands he's able to just you know finagle it out of the corner so i just like for people to pay attention to that because it's a it's a pretty unique skill two quick points on that real quick uh First of all, I, I think that he's always been underrated as a defensive player, but I think right now he's one of the best defensive players in the league when you watch him haul his butt down the ice to yeah. the other end. And to your point, a lot of times that stick work happens on the back check, which starts the rush going the other way. Number two, um, one of the biggest things I think about Austin, and I've talked to Eric Lindros about this before because of his size. Mm-hmm. I've always thought with this guy's skating ability, if he puts his head down and goes to the net, even outside the other team's blue line, I mean, there's only certain ways that you can stop him, and most of them are against the rules. Yeah. So 
I see so much more of that. He's in dirty areas. He's around the net. He's 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 putting his head down and going to the net instead of trying. You know, he's still got the shot like Obi from the faceoff circle and like Stamkos, but he's not relying on that yet uh, mm-hmm. anymore. He's moving more and he's using his body size, and that is the biggest thing that I've noticed about him is is the realization that yeah you know what i'm a i'm i'm a damn good player i can be an even better player because there are things i can do that physically other teams cannot do anything to stop me within the rules yeah yeah. No, it's true. And, and to, look, to, to me, the Maple Leafs now look like your guys' Caps teams, Carl, where like all those years where it's like, you got to show it, you got to show it. The regular season's fun, but you got to show it. And the question is, like, can they finally break through? Mm-hmm. Uh, but more importantly, first up, Carl, uh, Carl's stupid questions. Next up on All's Caps. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to All's Caps with former Capitals defenseman Carl Osner and NHL.com's Mike Seisberger. I'm AP hockey writer Steve Wino. Plenty of Leafs talk. Great talk about Austin Matthews. Uh, next up on All's Caps later this week, we're going to have uh, from the Hershey Bears, Brian Helmer on the show. Uh, talk a little about the Hershey Bears and his time playing with Carl. Uh, but first now, the, Carl's favorite portion of the show, Carl's Stupid Questions. Yes, very excited about this one. Got a couple good questions in here. Um, all right, Mike. First one, if you need some time to think about this, then take your time and we can come back to it. But I don't need to brief you because we've already established that you know exactly how this works. Um, first question, though, is, is there a childish thing that you do that you still enjoy? I, I will give you an example that I still love playing in the sand. Like my, my kids like to go to the beach and, and they're playing in the sand and I'm enjoying it just as much as they are. Love building sand castles and all that stuff. So that would be the uh, the childish thing that I that I enjoy still, and that I <laughs> I take part in whenever I can. Well, this is a trick question because I could say from the moment I wake up until uh, <laughs> the moment I go to bed, um, as Wino knows. But uh, no, there's. Uh, I'm just trying to think what exactly. I mean, I still. Uh, you know, I still play mini sticks in the basement with my with my cousin's kids. Yes. Um, you know, and there, there's there's one rule with mini sticks, okay? I don't incite the goonery, okay? <laughs> okay. But the first hack at the old man's shins here, and that's it. I mean, all bets are off, okay? So old time mm-hmm. hockey, but I would I would say that 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 to me is one of the things that I I enjoy the most, and screaming and no goal and. If I could play road hockey again, uh, you know, get all the guys gathering on the street, I'd do that too. Because the one thing I hated, and I don't know about you guys, is goal sucks. Guys, because there's no offside in road hockey. Guys that stand at the other end and you you just flip the ball over everybody to them. They are always going to be known as goal sucks. Okay. And that's my pet peeve. So there you go. <laughs> I agree with that. I'm seeing that in men's league right now. I'm like, I just shake my head every time I see someone out there. It's, I would be right, so, man. I'd be so mad if that was someone on my team that was just standing out there hanging us out to dry. So I agree. Okay. This next one, 
Can you think of uh, what the best gift you've ever received? Yeah, it was, uh, uh, I was trying to think of how old I would have been, like 11 or 12. I believe that's the right time frame. And I got a, a, a Mike Palmatier jersey and not the, not, not the crappy ones, not the stenciled ones, okay? Way before there was ever an Air Canada Centre slash Scotiabank Arena, there was, uh, it was obviously Maple Leaf Gardens. And, you know, there weren't really specialty stores for jerseys and stuff. You'd get the printed ones. But there was a store in the gardens called Doug Laurie Sports, and it would have all the stitching, everything like, like, I remember the old purple LA Kings jerseys and you'd yeah. walk into the store, the purple ones and the crown was all stitched in and stuff like that. And my parents got me a Mike Palmatier jersey from there with the stitching in that. And who didn't play, you know, I, I just mentioned road hockey and I played a little light ice hockey too. We won't get into that, uh, <laughs> those goaltending exploits, but uh, who didn't like when somebody shot the ball into your glove when you're a goalie, yeah. You didn't look at it and then just go palmateer and just just fling your hand up like that. So that was that 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 I would say. And I, I mean, there's probably more sentimental gifts that I've gotten, but for that first like rush, like oh my god, you got me, and it's it's sewn on. It's not that that printed stuff. So I would say that my palmateer, yeah, my palmateer jersey, circa, nice. circa early seventies. That's, I mean, it's funny you say that with the stitching and stuff too, because that's how, like, whenever I would sign a jersey and, and someone would pass it to me and I would notice that it was, you know, like a pro style jersey, had the fight strap and everything, it would always go through my mind like, ah, this is, this is the good stuff right here <laughs> versus like you said, the, like the screened on or whatever. I'm just like, yeah, nothing, nothing's Third better time than... in the wash and the, and the logo would peel. Remember? Yes, yeah, exactly. I was actually just looking at getting new jerseys for our men's league team. And the guy emailed me back says, do you want the, uh, you know, like the printed on, or do you want them stitched on? I'm like, is that even a question? Like there's no <laughs> chance. We're obviously going stitched. It's uh, it, I mean, it's one of the things I guess, you know, when you play. Um, okay. This will be interesting. Uh, I would like you to rate your top three favorite uniforms in the league. If you could. Does he have to go present day? Good question. Let's, let's, no, let's open it up. Yeah, let's open it up. Whatever you want. Top three six, overall. Six, I'm, <laughs> six way tie, every original six jersey. <laughs> yes. You know what? I'm not too far, you, you know, I, I've, I've always loved the Blackhawks jerseys. You know, I, I, I've got to say pretty much, uh, you know, I'm not trying to, Maybe it's because of my age or because of what I grew up with, but I, I just think that they're all, all six of those original six jerseys are awesome. I'm not talking about the alternates. I am not talking about that horrendous yellow Bruins thing with the crap peanut butter bear on the front of it. That is not what I'm talking about, people, okay? Yeah. I'm not talking about the Statue of Liberty on the front of the Rangers jerseys. Right. I'm talking about the normal ones and... and you know, I've had this question asked before, and it's like, oh, I love that black and gold Bruins one. And then you see the Red Wings come to town or see one of their home games where they're wearing red and white, and it's the most basic thing. And you're looking yeah. down from the press box and going like, man, that is so cool. Yeah. So maybe I'm sitting on the fence, but but those to me will always be all-timers. And uh, they're as far as away from the Vancouver Canucks flying V's 
which are at the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> but here, here's a trivia question for you, or you know, wait, 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 believe, it or, believe it or here. not, real quick. <laughs> Do you know that Kenny Albert, the award-winning broadcaster, grew up a Canucks fan, and one of his most prized possessions was the Canucks Flying V, the thing that looked like, well, somebody had been on hallucinogens and just threw a bunch <laughs> of colors together. But Kenny Albert was a huge fan and is to this day of the Flying V Canucks jersey. Really? One of the yes. rare ones, That's for wild. sure. And, and I mean, I at the time, I remember being, um, so not that one, going, going to the, um, the the black and yellow and orange or red, whatever that was. Yeah, yeah. The jersey. skate, the flying skate. Yeah, flying skate. I remember thinking at the time, I'm like, these are just, you know, kind of okay. And then when I see them wear them now, every now and then, I'm like, these are nice. Like for me, I got a soft spot for a, like a, a black, like a majority black uniform. Mm -hmm. Like I love the Tampa dark jerseys. I love LA. I even like San Jose's like when you have a all black uniform, it just looks kind of, kind of mean. So I'd say that, that, that one would be the one that would sneak in for me a little sentimental as well, but that would sneak into my, my top. But, but yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with the just original basics. It's, you know, it's not broken. They don't need to fix it. Just, just let it ride. Yes, right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Good answer. That was the right answer. So full points. Um, okay. Yeah, that wino, right answer. Yeah. Right answer. Right answer. <laughs> okay. So wino help me with this question, trying to, okay. uh, to hone it in a little bit. Um, no comment. Only asked it once before. I, I'd like to know your opinion on the best breakfast sandwich vessel. So we have, I think four choices. Four choices now. There's bread, there's English muffin, there's bagel, and then there's the biscuit. Got to be between bagel and bread. I'm not a bit. I'm not a big biscuit guy. How about like a bagel belt at Tim Hortons? Because he's a Canadian guy. I don't think I don't think biscuits are all that big up in like I'd have never had biscuits growing up. You really. guys need not, to spend some more time in the southern U.S. Yeah, <laughs> I used to. Um, yeah, I would say, uh, you know what? I would say bread or bagel. The bread comes in when you're more those mornings that you're concentrating on the egg and the protein in there. Okay. You don't want, you, you know, you don't want all that other stuff, you know, that floury, whatever biscuit, <laughs> bagel, whatever. You don't want that interrupting. Okay. You want something to hold it in place. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And that's, that's good enough, but you're there to eat the egg. You're there to eat the bacon or sausage, whatever. Okay. That's it's, it's, you know, they're going to get, you know, the bread's going to get the supporting actor thing. It's not going to get the, <laughs> the main and nobody will be slapped either. Okay. Yeah. Um, but then if we go to biscuit, I've never, like you said, I've never been a biscuit person or that. This is the American um, in me, I guess. Yeah. Bagel comes in when you are looking for, an additional taste to the actual protein those mornings and yeah the bagel and you can go anyway i like sometimes all dress sesame seed yeah you've got it you've got it but it just depends on but yeah biscuits are non-starters for me <laughs> oh i know we you thought the biscuit was going to come in hot wait wait till we have americans on and we're yeah, ask that question it. again. that's it for yeah, but sure you want to you want to learn about hockey don't you yeah <laughs> yeah because you invented the game right <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think I'm. There, there are days where I think I was around when it was invented. So. <laughs> um, okay, sticking with the breakfast theme yep. here. When you, when you do, you eat eggs. I'm assuming. Yeah. 
Okay, how, what's your egg order? How do you how do you have them cooked for breakfast? Over medium to over hard. Nice. You can't have it like I mean if it's see if it's too runny, that's where you have to have like the bread and stuff bread, to wipe absolutely. it up. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you know you want a little bit of that, but you you don't want like you don't want the plate turning into a disaster area. So you don't, you want, you want to keep the goo quotient down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. My dad was always an over easy, is an over easy guy. Oh so. yeah. It's a little... Watch out, watch out. You don't get splashed when you cut in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Suspect. Um, okay. So this is, this is a, a little bit, I think this is a new one as well. Okay. If you could choose one person, uh, let's go with living person right now to have an exclusive with that would spill all the beans would give you the full the full stories on every question that you have without cutting any corners who would that be oh man okay go to the next question i gotta think about this one okay next question it's too important a question to (laughs) all right we'll go to the next question who would be the person that you would like the exclusive with? <laughs> they would spill all the beans. <laughs> this is the last question, the last so question. I got to go back oh. to it. <laughs> I'll give you some time. I'll tell you who came to my mind. Okay. Just off the top of my head, you know, with you being in Toronto and stuff, <clears throat> is I would love to know some of the details from Mike Babcock, just with some of the stuff that's happened over the years, you know, mm-hmm. Mike Medano, Mitch Marner, you know, what it was like in, uh, in, um, in his time in Detroit, stuff like that, because I've heard a lot of rumors from, from guys before. And oh, I'm yeah. sure there's other guys that other people that would be extremely interesting as well, but I'm, I'm just curious to get, to get that side of it, you know, because there's been a lot of interesting decisions over the years. From a hockey standpoint, and look, I mean, I, I need more time. It's a, that's a it's a great, great question, and something you know. This is this is a type of question that three hours after we finish taping this podcast, <laughs> I'm going to be thinking like you know. And I would want to know, spill the beans on this off the top of my head, and it really is one of the guys I would want to talk to is Gerard Gallant, mm. and get the full. I mean, to me, this guy's a hell of a coach. Yeah. he has been wherever he's been. Yeah. So how is it? Like, what was he really feeling when they dumped him off in that, in that, you know, he has to sit in the loading dock, stand in the loading dock in Carolina because they just fired him to get his own. And, and, and what happened in Vegas? He led them to the Stanley cup. And look, I'm, I will be honest. I'm, I've been buddies with Pete DeBoer for a long time. So I was very, very happy to see him get the job, but in Vegas, but at the same time, Seems strange. What happened there? It was strange. They were playing well. He had taken them to a Stanley Cup final in their first year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, seems, off seems... the top of my head, that would be the that would be, you know, and, and I'm sure I'm gonna think of like I said about 30 more in the next 30 minutes. But when, 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 when we have three... you on again, well, you'll be able to give another another answer to this one too. What's that? We'll have you on again, so you have you, you so you'll be I'll able to still be questions. thinking of that, you know. But but yeah, I, I mean. And and what do you guys think? I mean, I, I, there's there's just some stuff that's gone on with uh, with Gerard Gallant that has me scratching my head because he's a hell of a coach. And and my all, my whole thing with like replacing coaches is well, you better make sh- you better make sure you got something better if you let him go. And the, the Vegas thing just to me, and you'd heard rumblings, but it just came out of the blue. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what I don't know what team in their right mind would 
let go of a coach that goes straight to the finals or wins a cup and the next year. It just doesn't make any sense. I, I, I have some, I have, I have some thoughts to share off the air about Gerard Gallant and, and, and the Vegas situation in particular, but we're running out of time, Carl. Do you have, do you want to, you want to you calculate this? Yes, I do. So I've, so I've been calculating already a little bit. Um, so you did have a perfect answer um, for the original six one. Also love the supporting cast reference on the bread <laughs> on for the, the bread. breakfast sandwich. So that was really good. And it's impressive. We've had some good scores lately. Uh, that one came in at a, a 188 points, which is tied with uh, Joe Beninati. So that puts you into the top five. Yeah, I think that's fourth place overall. Pretty pretty darn good. Nice. Just outside the podium, but top five is impressive. Out of five? Yeah, top five. No, out of five? Oh, no. Out of, out of five people? you've beaten more you've beaten more people than the maple leafs in the playoffs in the last decade and a half um uh, that's right do i get a bonus point for that yeah you're sure you're 189 now i guess uh, i don't know carl does the math on this i don't uh, but mike thanks very much for joining us on oscaps thank you uh it was a pleasure um anytime and again thanks for having me on guys and thanks everybody for listening and we'll talk to you next time with brian helmer from the hershey bears